Thank you for tuning in to The Way Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, we seek to showcase the way that God wants us to live by looking at what is written in His Word. The Bible says God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. This is That Way. Here is your host, Houston Welch. Welcome back to The Way Podcast. I'm your host, Houston Welch, and I'm here again with Michael Clark. Uh, and today we're going to be discussing the preacher. Now, Michael, he, he is a third-generation uh, preacher. He, his father is a renowned and, and truly, I would say, a pillar of, of the church today, and I don't mean that as like one, what Paul called uh, James and, and Peter, but in a like manner, uh, he, he serves to uphold the integrity of the church, and his grandfather does as well, uh, Brother T.J. Clark, uh, his grandfather, Brother B.J. Clark, his father. And so I want to start off with the quote, God begat one son, and he made him a preacher. I don't, I can't remember who I heard that from. I probably heard it from several of our instructors at the Memphis School of Preaching. Mm-hmm. But what do you have to say about that, Michael? I do think it's interesting when we talk about that idea. Uh, we, we have to be careful to make sure that we also remember that Jesus did desire that work too. Mm-hmm. Jesus, when we read Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, he humbled himself to do the will of the Father. And we have the passages in John where he says, I and my Father are one, and therefore the singular mission was the same. And so what a blessing it is that Jesus was yes. willing to humble himself and be a preacher when he could have done anything and then tried to to be our Savior at the same time. But he decided that he's going to be a preacher because that's how the plan could be carried out in the most efficient way. And so when we think about Jesus's short time on earth as a minister. I mean, I've now been a preacher at the Somerville Church of Christ in Tennessee for four years. I started in 2016 when I was on my last couple of months at Memphis, and I've been there now all the way up until now. And four years, I have, uh, by all intents and purposes, I have preached one year longer on this earth than Christ did. But he accomplished so much more than I could ever hope to accomplish in 50 million years of preaching. Because Jesus, I mean, we have what John says at the end of the book. There are many other things that I could write and I could say, but the books of the world couldn't contain them. And so these are written that you can at least believe and know what he did and know that he's the Son of God. And so Jesus accomplished so much more in three short years of ministry then I I would even say all of the ministers that have ever lived or ever will live because we can't be a savior to people. Exactly, exactly. Well, and what what he did set the ball in motion for everything that that we do. I mean, we couldn't do what what we do without first him having come. And it, it is essentially every work that we do is because of his preaching. That's right. Without Christ preaching, we, we would not have the work that we have. Um, now, again, you grew up, uh, you were raised by B.J. Clark, a, a, a great preacher. Um, what I've always wanted to ask you this. What was it like growing up uh, the son of a preacher, the grandson of a preacher? There are, there are a few different ways that I'll answer this. I'll answer it the way that is, um, I think, what some people might think. Uh, I think some people sometimes believe with any renowned preacher, and, and my dad wouldn't tell you that he is. He's a very humble man, and that's that's part of being a good gospel preacher. You have to be a humble man. But I think with any preacher that well travels, I'll say it that way, um, 
I think sometimes people see that side of the preacher only. You know, for most people, you see a preacher behind a pulpit, behind a lectern for a class. Uh, he's on a podcast. He's on a radio, pro, TV program, and you only ever really see the preacher. Mm-hmm. And you know me. I love to joke around. I love to be a, a big goofball. But when we press record on something, I flip a switch, and I can immediately get into the mode that I need to be in to preach and teach God's Word. My dad's not really any different from that mentality of just a – he's a big old goofball. I mean, he'll he'll joke around. He'll have fun. I mean, when we get together in a, in a setting at the house, we'll joke for hours about things, and it's just a, a good old time. And I think sometimes people wonder – if we were, you know, coming down to the breakfast table with our daily paper on the the book of Genesis or something, or quoting scripture before we <laughs> eat our meals, and that didn't happen, I've said it this way: If you have a Christian father, if you've been blessed in life to have a Christian father and Christian grandfather, you know what it's like to live in a house run by B.J. Clark, because it's that's that's the whole goal. My dad never was a different individual itself, and I think what's important for us to remember too is when Peter was going to Cornelius. I mentioned this the last time I was on here with you about Cornelius in general, but something we didn't talk about was in verse 26 and 27, Cornelius bowed down to Peter to show like reverence to him. And Peter says, get up, don't, don't do that. <laughs> you know, I'm just a man. And there, that's the mentality that I've always seen my father to have, my grandfather to have, that I need to have and anyone needs to have, that while they are wonderful gospel preachers, I mean, top notch, I mean, they're a choice. They are absolutely incredible at what they do. You wouldn't know it if you just hung around them on a regular basis. And the the interesting thing about that being a third-generation preacher is, you know, they see B.J. Clark the preacher. I know B.J. Clark the father mm-hmm. and the grandfather uh, and just the, the goofball, you know, the cut-up. Yeah. And yeah. he is um, he is just as comfortable joking around with, with good friends as he is preaching and teaching God's Word. But I think like Brother Elkins was described in his lifetime, he's a bulldog with the truth. You know, and and a bulldog in the way that he's going to latch on. He's not going to let go until you know what the truth is. And I think you were there. You were still in school when he debated, right, Michael Bronner? Yes, yes. You saw that. You yes. saw a different side of him than when he's just teaching in general in class. Because yes. that that debate alone, I'll say, because I, I've I've wanted to mention this to people before, because I was on that debate team. Dad caught Michael Bronner in a lie, basically in false doctrine. I'll say it that way. That's probably better. And he asked him about it the first night of the debate. Did you say such and such? And Bronner said, no, I don't believe that. That's not true. Well, Dad, being the preacher that he is, stayed up all night basically watching the first debate again on YouTube, and he found what was said, and he typed it word for word. And the next morning, we got up and we talked because we all heard it and we were all talking about it in the hotel room that night. And the next evening, that afternoon, he got up when it was his turn and he said, Now, Mr. Bronner, you said this and I asked you about it and you said you didn't say it. Michael put up chart 32 and I put up chart 32 and it was word for word. And I, I happened to be looking over and you could see Bronner kind of shift in his seat a little bit. And dad wasn't rude, he wasn't mean spirited. But he just absolutely latched on to that, and you could tell in the audience that there were some people there that were uncomfortable because they caught what had been taught Mm -hmm. for the first time probably in their entire lives on that subject being just absolutely destroyed by dad. And not because – I mean any gospel preacher that's worth his salt can do that, but dad being able to do that – is just so impressive that he can just he catches that and he latches on and he won't let go until you say I yield. 
And that that part of the debate alone could have been how Dad won the debate, but I think he won it overall, of course, because he had the truth. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But that singular portion was it was no contest. Well, it's like it's like what Brother Elkin says regarding debate, and we're, you know we're getting we're getting a little astray, but it, find find one thing, yeah, and stick with it. That's right. And and if you've got the truth and you do that, then then you're going to win. Don't let them try to try to weasel around it. But it it shows it shows the devotion of of your dad. When, and and you can you can see his passion and his devotion for for God's word when he's preaching, and a part of God's word is being a good father, and you mm-hmm. can certainly see that uh, coming out. Um, <clears throat> and and you were talking about flipping the switch, etc. Um, I, I think it's a good time to transition into kind of talking about how the. The preacher is still human mm-hmm. as well. Even even though the preacher, they fill the pulpit and they they are uh, to to tell God's word and 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 such, and they they are to be an example in that way. And just like Paul said, "Imitate me as I also imitate Christ," and he told uh, Timothy to be an example to the believers. And so every minister, every preacher is to do that. But at the same time, we're still human. Right. And 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 that with that it comes a lot of things. We we share the same desires that that normal humans has mm-hmm. have. And I'm and I'm not. I say normal humans. We're all normal. Humans. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but but what I mean by that is not um, sinful desires, not lustful desires, but but desires as in we want to rest and relax too, and we enjoy um, talking about the same things that the rest of the the world talks about right. it in, in, in to some degree. Sure. And um, like you, you're a huge sports fan. I believe your dad is as well. Yeah. I believe that's where you, where you get it from and, mm-hmm. and probably your granddad as well too. So let's talk about uh, preachers just being human. You know, it's sad. I think people have a better time feeling sorry for superheroes and the struggles that they face that are not real. You know, you go to see a Spider-Man movie, and they do a lot about talking. I mean, the whole purpose of Spider-Man, Stan Lee said when he wrote the character, was he wanted an everyman that was a young man that was just completely struggling with everything else in his life except being a superhero. The one thing he did well was fight crime. And when we watch movies like that, they play the music, and they really showcase that struggle. And we walk out of that theater going, man, I, I really feel for Peter Parker. Peter Parker's not real. I mean, he's, he doesn't exist. I mean, he and Spider-Man's my favorite superhero. So is you know my son Adam. That's his favorite superhero. But when I walk out of that theater and I'm, I find myself going, man, what? Oh, man, I'm thinking, what? He's not real. And yet when we look at a preacher, we expect him to be better. Than the superhero on the screen who has struggles too. I mean, all the superheroes that you find over in this era that we have right now, the golden era of superhero movies, they're always showcasing a struggle that they have. Mm -hmm. Whether it's an internal struggle with good and evil, whether it's a struggle of they're trying to do all of this, but then the mortgage is due and they're not making enough money to make ends meet and they have to save the world. They always showcase some type of struggle, whether it's with love or whatever. And yet we have more of an easy time feeling sorry for them and thinking about how difficult that must be. And then when it comes to the preacher, we basically say, you don't get to struggle. You don't get to be in any type of, you know, you don't get to be human. Uh, Now, I'm not trying to say that we didn't sign up for this. We did. I mean, military people, I I remember reading a quote, mentioned I like sports. People are talking about making the game safer. 
And Maurice Jones-Drew, an outstanding running back from the Jacksonville Jaguars from yesteryear, said, I've always looked at the NFL like the military. We signed on the dotted line to play in a contact sport. Mm-hmm. We knew the risks. Yes. Don't don't tell us we didn't. We knew. And if you're going to complain about that, then get out of the sport. And I think that's the same with preaching is I can't sit down and feel sorry for myself. And I know that's not what you're talking about. But when we talk about being human, some people believe that the preacher is never allowed to struggle with sin. He's never allowed to struggle with making time for his family and doing these. I mean, I have been blessed to have an eldership that is dedicated to me having time with my family, dedicated to me being with my family and spending time that's with my same. family. And that that's not everywhere. You know, you, you might have a listener today that's listening to this and thinking, man, I, y'all are lucky. And we are. We're blessed. Yes. But when we think about the average person's mentality towards the preacher, it's almost as if we expect them to be Jesus. Well, got news for you. Jesus struggled. Jesus struggled in his ministry. Now, we're never going to be in this situation of what I'm going to talk about as far as the verses we're going to discuss. We're never going to have the weight of the world on us that Jesus did. But I do think we overlook this sometimes, and I'll be talking about this in the second season this year on Scattered Abroad on my podcast, Far Better, shameless plug, and talking about suffering in general. And some people talk about depression, and they talk about the idea that you can't use medication, you can't have any outside help. Well, in Luke 22, 39 through 46, Jesus has gone to the Mount of Olives, and they're they're singing, or they're, they're having the disciples with him, and he says, I need you to pray that you don't enter into temptation. And he goes and withdraws himself from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and he prayed. And he says, Father, if, you're, if it's possible, if it's in your will, take this cup from me. I don't want to die. We need to preach it that way because that's what he's saying. I don't want to die this way, but I will. Wanting and being willing are two different things. Jesus did not want to be crucified, but he was willing to be. And he says, I'll, I'll let your will be done overall, but if there's another way Now's the time I would really like to know. And then what we're told right after that, verse 43 says, Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And that idea, that word strengthening, is is conveying an idea of giving help. Now, isn't Jesus God? Yeah, he's 100% God. I mentioned this on our on our shows this year for the Scattered Abroad joint podcast, shameless plug. And I mentioned the fact that here's Jesus, 100% man and 100% God, and yet an angel is sent to him to strengthen him, and yet even after that, he's in agony. And he prays more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. I know some people mention that's that's an analogy for how heavy his sweat was. I, I just don't see the need for that alliteration, especially when the only place we find that written is by the physician, Luke. Mm-hmm. And we do know of a physician where under extreme agony and extreme stress the capillaries in the skin burst and you sweat blood yes and that's called hematidrosis or hematidrosis however you say it that's what it is mm-hmm. and so here's jesus luke 22 tells us in agony hebrews tells us he had strong crying and tears and he was struggling and yet he's the son of god you talked about, and I know you, you mentioned it and you clarified it because it needs to be clarified, but when we talked about my dad, we mentioned a, a kind of a pillar of the faith. I can tell you with certainty my dad struggled throughout his ministry, throughout his life. And I can tell you that if Jesus himself is going to struggle and need time for strength and times for help, all of us will. 
and the preacher is still human. And, and I think that the reason that some members forget this is we have such an ability to flip that switch because we get up into the pulpit and we preach what we've studied all week and we preach it and we teach it and then we get down and it, it, it seems to them that we're there for one hour. And we've done our job, and then we're going to come back tonight, and we're going to do the next hour, and then we'll come back on Wednesday and do the last hour of the week, and then we'll go home and we'll hibernate until Sunday. <laughs> you know, that kind of seems to be the mentality of some of our brethren. But I can tell you, and you know this about me, I'm not a big sleeper. I, I do. I, I get about maybe four hours a night, typically. That's just me. Um, my dad's worse. He might get three. I don't know. Um, it just depends on the night. But I get a lot of work done, and there was one particular night three years ago in October, I was sitting in my easy chair and I was just scrolling through Facebook. And I saw one of my members post his son's name and said, rest in peace. Well, I automatically knew it's two in the morning, but I knew he was up. So I immediately texted him. I said, what's happened? And his son had been in, a, in an accident and a, a, a Navy training accident and he had passed away. It was that moment where I thought, you know, I'm thankful that I can't sleep very well at night because he mentioned to me that that made an impact, that made a difference. Well, I don't know what it's like to lose a son. I hope and pray I never do. But I do know what it's like to lose a loved one. And in that moment, reaching out to someone and, and showcasing that, and, and it was it's one of those things where, hey, I'm your minister, sure, but I'm your brother, in yes. Christ, and I'm reaching out to you as that, not as your minister. I ended up preaching that funeral, and I remember just sitting there and thinking about the the implication of losing a loved one like that, and just nothing wrong. You didn't do anything. They didn't do anything to cause it. Just a, an accident. They couldn't really even explain what had happened up to that point, and it's just so unfortunate. But I looked out at a family that was hurting, and I thought, you know, to some people, that have had preachers lose children and lose loved ones, we kind of think that they're just equipped to handle it. They struggle. I mean, just in general, and they struggle financially sometimes because maybe the congregation doesn't pay them as well as they should. They struggle financially maybe because, yes, they're doing everything they can, but you know, churches aren't necessarily built to give insurance plans and retirement plans and all of that kind of stuff all over. There are some that have them, but they're well-blessed. And so preachers have to somehow find a way to not just preach and teach but provide for their family and provide a future for their family and it's it's hard because some preachers might be bad with their money but not all are and yet they're struggling and so when you hear someone talk about the struggles that they have the stigma of a preacher is just expected to have it all together that's sinful to think it that way because when you struggle when i struggle we want someone to help us, and it goes back to what we talked about the last time I was on with you, Galatians 6, one. If you're struggling with something, you need someone to help bear that burden, and preachers are not exempt from having burdens. Yes, and talking about that, I, I want to say one thing first and then going touching back with what you just said. I think one of the, the issues and the reason why we have this stigma is because preachers are, quote, in the spotlight. They are the ones, they are the, the quote, voice of the congregation. They, and But uh, also one thing that we have to remember is that preachers, when they get up to preach, they hopefully are preaching a sermon which is for themselves. And you, you mentioned um, we're, we're, we're members as well. 
we are not um, we're we're not any different from anybody else of the congregation. We're members of well who just so happen to have the blessing of getting up and and conveying the message of of God's word. So we as preachers we can find ourselves having a hard time though asking brethren for help right because we don't want to show that we struggle as well and right. and, and and that's one of the things that that I want to talk about with you in the in the brief moments that we have left is that as preachers we also have to understand that we're members alone. Right. We may, we may know that, yes, we're not a quote, quote unquote pastor. We don't have the uh, authority to, to, to rule the church. We just give the message, but we're also members in the sense that yes, we struggle too. We have to remind ourselves of that. Find a brother or sister or, or a family that, that, that you can trust and that you can express your faults or your struggles to. Uh, I think that that certainly, if you're a preacher, that it would help in your ministry and if if you are just a, a, a member and, and you do that, be a friend to your preacher mm-hmm. and help him out. Michael, I do appreciate having you on. I appreciate the discussion, and I appreciate learning uh, more about um, your thoughts on, on growing up uh, the son of a preacher, and, and I appreciate our study. Uh, be sure, if you, if you like what you heard, be sure to go check out Michael's podcast, the Far Better Podcast. Michael is an excellent gospel preacher, just like his father, just like his grandfather. And uh, if you're listening to us, you've made it to the end, uh, please be sure to rate and review. And if you're listening to us on Facebook, be sure to like and share. And go check out the Scattered Abroad Network page. Be sure to like and uh, share it as well. Thank you for listening and have a good day. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. That's thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms, and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ, even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.